The NFL Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, bet $100, and get a $100 free bet at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. I'm just about that action, boss. You have to be kidding me. That is impossible. I'm raising the ante. Anybody wants it, yeah. Welcome, everyone, to the NFL Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Thursday, December 8th, currently 320 on the East Coast, here to talk about NFL Week 14, the afternoon games on the schedule. And joining me to help me break down the betting card for NFL Week 14, you guys know him on the voice of the NBA Gambling Podcast, the WNBA Gambling Podcast, of course, the NFL Gambling Podcast, the Tennis Gambling Podcast. It's my main man, Scott Studio Reichel. Scott, what's going on, my man? How you doing? Nothing much. Doing pretty well. Uh, looking forward to the small NBA card tonight and the Thursday night game. Kinda. There might be a Baker Mayfield sighting. We'll see. But either way, should be fun. Hopefully, we'll make some money on that. I'm sure you have plays on that game as well. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about some Sunday action. Yeah. As usual, getting into the afternoon games. Four games only on the schedule for us this week. We had about five over the last couple of weeks. But we got some pretty good matches with good Sunday night football game as well. Um, so let's just dive right into it here, Scott. Um, got a couple of division matchups, or a lot of division matchups actually this week. And uh, we got one here in the AFC West between the Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Denver Broncos in the Mile High City. Uh, this line opened up in favor of the Kansas City Chiefs of minus 6.5. That number is currently sitting at minus 9 over on win bet. Total opened up at 42.5 and has actually been bet up to 44 in this game. Uh, looking at the injury report for both of these teams, let's start here with the road team, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, looking at their injury report, um, currently seeing Nick Bolton, linebacker, was a limited participant on Wednesday in practice for them. Kadarius Tony continues to deal with a hamstring issue, was limited at practice on Wednesday. And Michael Hardman, head coach Andy Reid, said Wednesday that Hardman could return from injured reserve for the Chiefs NFL, sorry, uh, Chiefs Week 15 game in Houston. Not this week, but hopefully they can get him back next week. Um, do the I'm sure, I'm sure you're thrilled about that game, seeing Mahomes against your favorite team. Oh yeah, I might have to just get out there just see so I can I can say that I saw or I got to see Mahomes play in my mm-hmm. lifetime. Not like he's going anywhere anytime soon, but uh, yeah, maybe I could go up there and watch him throw 500 yards against his team. Um, for the Denver Broncos, uh, kicker or place kicker Brian McManus didn't practice Wednesday due to a right quadriceps injury. Um, and a whole bunch of, I think these are second tier or second or back. I, uh, I think you meant Brandon, but doesn't matter. Yeah. I'm sorry, Brandon. What did I say? You said Brian, I think. Oh, Brian. Okay. It doesn't uh, matter. Whatever. <laughs> Fine. Uh, Jerry Judy also was questionable in practice on Wednesday, limited participant. And Corlin Sutton is actually doubtful to play this Sunday against the Kansas city chiefs. But Scott, I mean, look, this Broncos team, we've talked about them at volumes on the NFL Gambling Podcast. Nathaniel Hackett, by far the worst head coach in the entire football league. You have a Patrick Mahomes-led team coming into this game. Awful where, loss. Yeah, off of a loss where I'll say this, that Patrick Mahomes in his career against teams uh, in his division, the AFC West, he's a perfect 14-0 and Straight up nine and five against the spread uh, against those AFC West teams. I don't think much is going to change here. I just don't think there's going to be enough points put up by this Denver Broncos offense. But what do you think about this game between the Chiefs and the Broncos? So you mentioned Mahomes' record against the division. Uh, do you know the recent streak the Chiefs are on, even dating back to Alex Smith? Do you know what their record is in the last like five, six years against this team? 
Um, fifteen and zero. Let's make it a round about twenty and zero against the Broncos only. Yeah, they are thirteen and zero. Oh, in the last 13 games. Okay, 13 and 0, yeah. They're 13 and 0. So if you want to talk about a rivalry game where usually these games are competitive and all that other narrative, not quite. Chiefs have dealt with altitude. They go in, they dominate, they leave. It's the same story every year. And this year, Denver's bad, especially bad. And offensively, they didn't score a touchdown last week against the Ravens. Russell Wilson, we know, has been atrocious because of injury, or maybe he's just old at this point. We don't really know for sure, but we know for a fact that he's a bottom 10 quarterback in the league, probably bottom five at this point. But the Chiefs are off a loss, very competitive game against a very good Cincinnati team. And the Chiefs, I think, will be hungry to get back on track. And if you want to talk about the Chiefs playing with their food, that's definitely a possibility. I do think being off a loss should limit that possibility, though. But I think that the Chiefs are going to walk in, score at least three touchdowns. Do we think Denver gets past 10 points? I don't know. Like, I, I don't know for certain about that. <laughs> I'll say this much about the Broncos, to your point there, that they haven't scored more than 17 points. I was, I'm sorry. I'll say they've they only scored uh, 20 points just once in their home games uh, yeah, so far this season. Again, a very small sample. But if you want to um, go recent sample size also, you can look at the Chiefs and look at the Broncos. The Broncos have scored less than 17 points yeah. in seven of their last eight games. I think it's telling, Scott, when they were only able to put up 17 points against the Houston Texans. That's definitely telling. Even last week, I know Baltimore's defense is hit or miss. I, I know it was awful in Jacksonville, but for the most yeah. part, it's an okay unit. Yeah. But Baltimore couldn't move the ball. Denver had a ton of possessions the entire game, Yeah. and they couldn't do anything. The entire game. They scored no touchdowns. So I think the Chiefs off a loss will definitely be motivated to not just win, but to win comfortably in this spot. I'll lay the nine. Denver's a complete loss cause. They have nothing to play for. We saw them lose to Carolina by 20. Like I I, I don't know how they're supposed to yeah. really keep pace here. I get Kansas City's defense isn't great. I understand yeah. that. But Denver's offense is the worst offense in the league. They're averaging like less than or around 14 points per game. I think Kansas City scores at least 24 in this game. Yeah, and I think that's the magic number, right? If they get to 24, they're they're going to win this game. 20 could be the magic number here to cover. Like, I really don't know how many points Denver's going to score, no matter how bad the defense is, because you said before they could barely score against Houston. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, just kind of looking at it, like you mentioned, Denver – they're offensively just not very good. They're, they're dead last that, in right? points per game. Yeah, I mean. and everything. And that's kind of, yeah, tells you everything that you need to know. And like I mentioned, Corlin Sun probably not going to be in this game either. I think it's just going to be a matter of... of Judy might not play either. Yeah, so how do you score points in this game? So I I, I agree with you. I'll I'll go with you with the, with, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs here. I don't love it, but I think I just like the under more in this game, even though this yeah. number has been bet up from the opening number. I could see a 24-10 type of final in this game. And Denver's defense is good. You're hoping that they can at least limit the big plays that Kansas City has, and you'll end up getting a bit of a punt fest there. And Kansas City might go up a lot early, do their classic fourth-quarter drain clock strategy, and really Mm -hmm. just limit the possessions. But at the end of the day, you're just looking at a Denver team that cannot score. So I agree with you on the under. Denver unders have been basically free money the entire season. But I do think the Chiefs being off a loss definitely helps – my willingness to lay nine on the road in a division game. I know historically you should pretty much blindly back the home team in the spot, but I can't do it here. Denver is historically bad offensively, and the Chiefs, once again, still have a very good offense. It's not as good without Tyree Kill, but it's still a very solid unit. And Cincinnati's a very good team. Denver's not. So I'm not going to overreact to what happened last week. And the Chiefs will be hungry, and I think they'll win their 14th straight against Denver. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. I think I might tease down the Chiefs uh, mm-hmm. just because Patrick Mahomes um, as a seven-point favorite or more on the road in his career. He is 7-0 and straight up, but he's only 1-6 against the spread in that span. Uh, and then Mahomes in his career as a five-point favorite on the road uh, in his career, 15-0 and straight up, just 8-7 and against the spread. So I think this might be a good teaser leg. Mm-hmm. Uh for you know teaser players out there and if you want to you know if you need a, a a obviously a teaser leg you can do that so um and then a couple more notes Mahomes in the month of November December in his career 32 and 5 straight up but just 17 18 and 2 against the spread so i think that yeah chiefs may you know like you mentioned maybe play with their food here a little bit 
I do think they get the victory. And I, again, the, there's a window where just because the Denver Nuggets are so inept on offense that it Bron- Broncos. It, I'm sorry. Yeah, the Broncos. I'm sorry. Uh, they the wish they had Jokic a wide receiver. That's all I'll say. But. <laughs> uh, the Broncos. Or, or a, quarter, a quarterback, actually. They wish they had Jokic a quarterback. Um, that 21 points, like we mentioned, might just be enough. But I think that, you know, 24, it's not a look-ahead spot for the Kansas City Chiefs either. It's just get the victory, get out of there go beat Houston next week. And then, you know, hopefully we can secure a number one seed in the AFC. So under is probably more, my more favorite play. And I'll throw a couple more trends out there for the under in this game. Um, and their last, I think dating back uh, to their last 29 games, the under is 23 and six in the Broncos games. And their other uh, home or home games this season for the Broncos are only averaging 28 points per game. And you already mentioned it, Scott, that Broncos, are pretty much free money towards the under 11 and one on the under the season division games throw that uh stat out there as well this season 70 44 and two to the under uh in the entire nfl this season so some more trends and numbers back in the under there uh player props you may be looking at in this game if anything scott uh well even though we talked about mahomes and i expect him to play well i do kind of have to look at pacheco for rushing yards yeah denver despite being a very good defense in general and points allowed etc they really have not been great against the run mm-hmm. this season now pacheco's at 63 and a half which yeah. i mean it makes sense the number's gone up because the chiefs clearly like him he's looked really good i mean there's no way around it do you think 63 and a half is too high or do you think it's just like where it should be i don't know I kind of wish it was still in the 50s, to be honest. Yeah, here, it seems a tad high. But again, if you kind of just look over the last four weeks, what you mentioned that they do love this guy. He's getting the carries. He's had at least 14 carries in over the last four weeks for the Chiefs. He's gone 66, 69, 107, and 82. So it just seems like it might just be an adjustment that the books have finally made where we were used to seeing, you know, that number for Pacheco being in the 50s. Yeah, I don't really have many props besides that because I'm I'm trying to look at props for receivers for Kansas City, I mean, half of them don't exist. I, I don't really yeah. see any props at the moment. I see receptions yeah, I for Juju. or mm-hmm. I see longest reception for Juju, but not total yards, which doesn't really make any sense. But the point is I don't, I don't really see much. So I think maybe if I had to lean to one guy, maybe it would be like Valdez Scantling longest reception over 18 and a half. Okay. I'm trying to think who Sertan would guard. Because Juju is more of a slot guy. Yeah. Do you put Sertan on Kelsey? Like, what do you? What that do you was going to be my question. Yeah. Do you? I mean, I think usually should, lines up have on to the, try something. Yeah. So I think that might open up opportunities for guys like like you mentioned. If Juju was able to go in this game, he was not on the injury report. Obviously, he's back. Um, I said Scantling maybe because he's more of a deep play guy, but he also has not been very good this year. Noah Gray, maybe. If they're saying like, I, I don't really have many options because Kansas yeah. City they score points because Mahomes is great, but you look at the talent or lack thereof in the receiving core, it's really not great. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I agree. I was looking. I was trying to see if they had a number of rush attempts for Petchenko in this game. Don't see it listed yet, but yeah, I think look, the game script is probably going to be, hey, let's maybe get ahead to a lead and. Um, and they start running the football like with, with Pacheco, like you mentioned. They like to drain that call, clock in that fourth quarter uh, when they are up, you know, if it's by multiple uh, possessions in this game. So I think that Chiefs should get an ugly win here. Game should go under. Anything else for this game, Scott? Oh, uh, yeah, actually for a player prop. I know he has not thrown many interceptions this year, but I'm still going to throw it out there. You can argue Mahomes because Mahomes is definitely should throw the ball a decent amount. Sure. Russell Wilson's plus 105. Like, I understand the argument is that he has not thrown many this season. He's thrown zero in the last three games. But aren't you blindly assuming the pass attempts are going to be through the roof because they should be trailing for about two quarters? Yeah, and I think that's exactly the handicap there. Yeah, what you mentioned. I mean, I gave it out a couple of weeks ago with uh, the Aaron Rodgers prop against the Bills. It was a decent plus price uh, bet there, and I figured Green Bay's probably going to get killed in this game. Yeah, They're going to have to throw the ball a bunch. Like, Wilson might have to throw the ball 40 times, so I don't mind interception. Maybe for both quarterbacks here, because we know that Mahomes can be a little bit loose with the football. Mahomes mm-hmm. is minus 105. I don't really mind the interception prop for both guys here. You? Yeah, I don't mind it either. I mean, we've seen uh, Patrick Mahomes more than at least 
Russell Wilson so far this season where he's, um, you know, thrown for interceptions and he's thrown one at least in three out of the last five games. Um, let me see if, how many times he's done it against the Broncos. Um, so he's faced them. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. He's throwing four interceptions. So it almost okay. seems like only yeah. every other game he's thrown one. But Did he throw one last game? Last game was back on January 8th. He did not. Okay. So we're on pace. Okay. Yeah. 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 I but mean, at the price, I think it's definitely worth the dabble. It's mostly about the pass attempts. I'm just assuming both yeah. quarterbacks are going to try to throw the ball 30 plus times. Denver, out of necessity, the Chiefs might try to run, but at the end of the day, you still have Mahomes and you will definitely want him to do most of the heavy lifting for your team. Yeah. And again, there's always the possibility where you have those end of game Hail Marys, whether it's just a Wilson or even end of, you know, half mm-hmm. where you go uh, no huddle, you attempt yeah. like eight passes on one drive. And, yeah. 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 Uh, all right, let's move over to the next game of the afternoon. It's going to be let's go, let's go to let's go to Seattle, um, where the Carolina Panthers are going to be visiting the Seattle Seahawks. It's going to be a four twenty five Eastern start. Uh, looking at the lines for this game, the Seattle Seahawks opened up actually as a seven point favorite in this game. Um, that number has now been bet to minus four in favor of the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, total up in about 43 and a half. That number has been bent up to 44. Starting to see some 44 and a halves pop up as well. Uh, looking at the injury report for both of these teams to start here with the Carolina Panthers. Starting quarterback is going to be Sam Darnold for the Carolina Panthers in this game. But as far as injuries go uh, for the Panthers, let's see here. Dante Foreman is officially uh, questionable for this game. He did, I think, come out and say today that he was going to play in this game, but he is a value. He's going to play, but I'm assuming there will be some type of timeshare with Hubbard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He was limited on, uh, sorry, on Thursday in practice with a, like I mentioned, a foot injury. Xavier Wood, safety, questionable. Limited on practice in on Wednesday. Um, and that is pretty much it for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, for the home team, the Seattle Seahawks, uh, let's see here. Ryan Neal, safety, was a non-participant at practice on Wednesday. He's dealing with a knee issue. Will Disley, tight end, also questionable, dealing with a calf injury, non-participant on Wednesday as well. They have, seven, they have seven tight ends anyway. I don't know if yeah. they <laughs> Marquise Goodwin, wide receiver, dealing with a hand issue. He didn't practice on Wednesday. Travis Homer, running back, questionable, limited participant on Wednesday as well. And throw in DJ Dallas, uh, did not participate uh, in practice on Wednesday. And Kenneth Walker, ankle, did not participate in practice on Wednesday either. So looks like the uh, backfielder is a little banged up there, uh, Scott, but... DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, all should be a go in this game. Carolina heads to Seattle, a East Coast team heading over to the West Coast, uh, led by Sam Darnold. What are you thinking about this game here, Scott? Seattle as a four-point road, sorry, home favorite. I actually like Carolina money line in this game. Okay. I'm going to go a little bit bold here. First of all, they're off a bye. I like the back teams off a bye getting points, just generally. I think that you have an extra week of prep. I think it's a big deal. The Seahawks had a nice win that they needed to have. The problem is they almost lost to John Wolford and the Rams. And the Rams are really, really bad. The Seahawks were really in desperate. They were in desperation mode. They needed to come from behind game-winning drive by Geno there down the stretch. I don't think Seattle looks good. Offensively, they're really good. That's a given. Defensively, they're awful. And I know they have a very good rookie who gets a bunch of interceptions. Besides that, though, their pass rush has been pretty much non-existent lately. Uh, Their linebacking core, I don't think, is very good. And the rest of their secondary is not very good. So they really have one defensive player that I basically like on the entire team. Mm. I'm going to go Carolina. I think that the defense is good. I think Horn – I don't know if Horn plays a side or not, but I think he can at least contain either Metcalf or Lockett. And even though you might end up seeing – uh, the Seahawks be able to air it out a little bit at times in this game. Kenneth Walker, I'm, I'm assuming, is not going to play. That's yeah. a big deal because he was right now favored to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. He's mm-hmm. a hell of a playmaker, and now they're going to have to use a third or fourth string running back because DJ Dallas is also injured. So they might be using Tony Jones Jr., which is really just tells you how really just bad the, the running depth is right now for the Seahawks. But 
I think Carolina's off defensive line can really manhandle Seattle's offensive line during the course of this game. I think it'll be ugly, but you're going to give me a bad defense and a really banged up ground game and a questionable offensive line against the team off a bye. I'll take the points with the team off the bye. I think it's a good spot for Carolina. And Seattle, once again, needing a come-from-behind win against the Rams with a second- or third-string quarterback. Serious red flag for me. I'm going to go ahead and take Carolina. This was going to be my contrarian play of the week, at least for this afternoon games. Um, I'm there with you, and I think the concern is all the injuries that they're dealing with uh, are the Seattle Seahawks, right? Don't expect Kenneth Walker. Uh, even their guys in the backfield of Travis Homer and DJ Dallas. I didn't even uh, mention Homer. That's true. Homer's also banged up. But yeah. we talk about all the time in current NFL football that running backs are expendable and they don't really matter that much. When you're down roughly three running backs, I think it matters. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I think this might be a game where Geno Smith does struggle. Like you talked about, this Carolina Panthers defense has been pretty good this season. That pass rush as well. I think they'll be able to get to Geno Smith in this game. And the Seattle Seahawks may also be – I'm sorry, in a look-ahead spot here, they have San Francisco on deck on Thursday night. So um, – and you mentioned Carolina coming off of the bye. Um a lot of people may think that at this point of the year that teams coming from the East coast to the West coast are not in a favorable spot, I guess I can say, but a couple of more trends here to road teams traveling from East to West. They're 62, 41 and five against the spread 60% since 2016. I'd be happy about traveling. It's no, it's not 20 degrees. Like you're actually going to somewhat warmer (laughs) weather. I'd be kind of happy going West coast. Yeah, and those and also the teams that are under 500, like the Panthers, they are 35, 17, and two against the spread in that same span, 67%. So, and they're still in playoff contention because their division stinks. <laughs> yeah, they can't right. even, you can't even claim <laughs> that like they don't care about the game. Like Carolina still hypothetically has yeah. a shot to win the division. It's yeah. not going to happen, but they have a hypothetical mm-hmm. chance at it. Yeah, and you made the uh, the great point there as well that they did struggle last week against John Wolford and the uh, Los Angeles Rams. So that, that is- was bad. I know Wolford's stat line was okay, was like not great at the end, but the Rams yeah. really moved the ball up and down pretty much the entire first half. Yeah. And then in the fourth quarter, it's a serious problem because Wolford was also injured during that game and he was still moving the ball. I want to see how um, Sam Darnold did in his last game. I'm not saying Darnold's great or good by any means, but I think no. he's better than Wolford. I think he can move the ball against this team. Sure. Yeah. Look, against the Broncos, and again, it is the Broncos' good defense, right? He was one of 1,964 yards, one touchdown. Uh, DJ Moore had a great game against the Broncos in there. I think he had a long pass where he caught. But Foreman, I, I'm hoping that Foreman's able to go in this game and he's able to be somewhat effective. Because we when didn't he's even on mention the field, that, by the way. Seattle's, the- Seattle's terrible against the run. Yeah. We didn't even mention that. They're really bad against the run. Yeah. So 24 attempts, 113 yards against the Denver Broncos was Dante Foreman. And now Seattle, like you mentioned, they're going up against, um, or sorry, uh, Carolina's this run rushing attack. If Foreman's able to go, whether it's him or it's, or it's Chuba Hubbard, I think they'll have success on the ground here. I think that's where the way they can limit uh, this uh, Seattle, I guess, offense and keep DK Metcalf in. Uh, Tyler Lockett off the field. So I'm with you, man. I, I like the Carolina Panthers to cover the spread here. Uh, any thoughts on the total here sitting at 44? I'm looking at the under. Uh, I know it's tricky because I just roasted Seattle's defense for about five minutes, but Carolina is a great under team. They're going to yeah. try to run the ball a bunch. They're going to try to drain clock. And I think Seattle's offense is going to struggle because I'm not sure that they can actually protect Geno Smith in this game. I guess my question for you is even if four minutes compromised, I know we kind of came out of nowhere. He bounced around the league. I believe he used to be on your team. I think he was on yep. the Texans a couple of years ago. He by the Texans. That's yeah. what I thought. He was like a seventh-round pick or something. But anyway, my question for you is, how big of a drop-off is there from Foreman to Hubbard? Is it that big of a drop-off? Because I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't Foreman's think Foreman's been very either. good. I, I think Hubbard can do enough against a bad rush defense. Yeah, there's a lot of hype coming around Hubbard. Um, you know, coming out of college. And he, he had flashes, I think, in his rookie year. where One great year at Oklahoma State. Then he came yeah. back, and he wasn't very good in his final year. And I believe he opted out early. But yeah, he's been meh in the pros. But Foreman bounced around to a bunch of different teams. He was basically a nothing until he showed up in Carolina. Yeah. And 
he had some success last week uh, on the ground as well. 17 carries. Did have 65 rushing yards, so only 3.8 yards per carry. But like you mentioned, this Seattle Seahawks rush defense is just – their defense overall is just not very good. So I think that the Panthers should have some success here. And look, Steve Wilkes has done a pretty damn good job. Panthers have won throughout their last four games, so I don't think motivation is a factor here. And like you mentioned, there's some contention for this division. I mean, look, the, the Buccaneers are facing um, these 49ers this week. We'll get to the game in a second. But – there's a possibility where it's doable. This, it's doable. Yeah. Especially in that division. I had another question for you is that we're looking at this Seattle Seahawks team. Let's just say they dropped this game. I'm probably seeing the Seattle Seahawks to miss the playoffs at plus 250. I think that tie between Washington and New York last week was brutal for Seattle. Yeah. Like next level brutal for Seattle. And I know mm-hmm. that they play again after the bye, Washington yeah. and New York, but the fact that neither team lost, I think, is really bad because yeah. Seattle, if they end up falling apart down the stretch, that tie could really be the differential in win percentage. Mm-hmm. I think that if you want to go for value, you can make an argument that if Seattle's plus 250 to miss the playoffs, but Carolina's like plus 150 to win the game, you might just be better off taking the game because if Seattle wins yeah. this game, they'll probably get in anyway. Well, Seattle... Yeah, I, mean, I was just looking at their schedule to kind of end the season here. So they have Carolina this week, and then they go – they have they welcome San Francisco to town on Thursday night football. Then they have to go to Arrowhead, to New York, and then they wrap up the season against the Rams, where we already saw they had trouble with. Okay. I'm just saying, you said yeah. you said New York, you said uh, the Rams, and the Rams are bad. I mean, it's going to be in Se- it's going to be in Seattle, so I do think the home crowd will play a factor there. Yeah. But still, I my question for you is, do you think it's worth the extra dollar of value – to kind of risk the rest of the season compared to just taking Carolina money line in this game. Because I think if Seattle wins this game, they should be going to the playoffs. Yeah. I think that is something. To That's consider. my only counterpoint. Yeah, sure. You know, that makes sense. Um, yeah, that's something to think about. I think, what is it, plus 180? I think this line will maybe only get pushed up. We think that if more public money comes in on Seattle. Well, you said it opened at seven. Like, yeah, that, that part kind of gives me some pause there because I don't think Kenneth Walker is worth two and a half points. No, but I think maybe by that, like that whole running back group that's compromised right now between Homer, Walker, and Could be. I, I'm just wondering well. if you think running backs are worth two and a no, half no. because for me, it just seems like sharp money's absolutely just poured in on Carolina. Yeah, yeah. And again, we know that the sharp money's always early and often and then right at post as well. So there's no way um, I'm laying points with Seattle, at least more than a field goal right now when they can't get a stop to save their lives. Yeah, I agree. Um, any player props you're looking at in this game here, Scott? Well, you mentioned the running backs. So if Foreman is potentially out, I'll pivot and I'll take the other running back. But you look at DJ Moore because I think he's in a good spot. I think so too. I think that um, he did have 103 against the Broncos secondary. I'm not sure if Sertan was matched up on him or not. Um, I'm trying to pull up. Uh, That's a very impressive performance, though, because Denver secondary against the pass is really, really good. I want to see if it was just a long pass that got him that mostly yardage. Or I think most of it. I think it was pretty much all in the first half. I think he got loose for like one decently long completion, but he had a touchdown 50. later in the game anyway. Yeah, 52 uh, yards was a long for him. But he had a touchdown no matter anyway, so he was yeah, effective yeah. all over the field. And they really don't really have a choice to throw to anybody else. I mean, look at the names in that receiving group. Ian Thomas tied in. LaVisca Chenault, uh, Raheem Blackshear, Terrence Marshall. Tony I like Kimble. Marshall. I think that you yeah. get more run. I think he's pretty good. Um, do you see his uh, prop for DJ Moore? Uh, for Moore, sorry, let me just pull that up. Here, I got it. Um, I'm assuming he's going to be in the 60s or 70s. I don't see anything for him. I don't. I don't see any props up. Yeah. I'm guessing they're waiting on injury news. But I yeah. got to assume Moore's going to be somewhere in the 60s, right? Yeah, 60s I would think 70s. so. I would. Yeah, high side 70, but I would still take the over. Yeah. Okay. Anything else for this game? Uh, I don't want to gamble and play chicken on which receiver is going to be covered by J.C. Horn and bet the under because I don't know what they're going to do defensively. Sacks, maybe. Um. Yeah. Take a I burn, think it, take a yeah, burden sack prop, maybe. If you're able to find like team sacks, I think that's something they need to start putting out. It's like these sports books because mm. I think that would be a problem. There were some books that it. had it in years past. I don't know what happened yeah. to it, but I can't find them. They just go to total sacks now for the game, yeah. which is unfortunate. No respect. Yeah. 
Um, I think Carolina is going to get at least three sacks in this game. I would think so. And they don't have that out yet either. So, yeah, maybe check closer to game time. I, I think, yeah, Panthers, this defense, we talked about this front seven is really good. Um, and they're like, a, they're like a slightly better version than Denver, where if they had any offense worth a damn, they'd actually be pretty good, but they just don't. Yeah. The defense is really good for that team, though, Carol. That defense is really good. I'm glad they didn't trade away uh, Brian Burns. I know they were trying to get like. I might, I might have shipped them all for three first round picks, but you know. Yeah. What were the Rams? I don't think offer? Yeah, was willing offer, to Rams offer two or three. I forgot what the hell they offered. Allegedly. I think they offered two. Okay. But I think you're right. They probably wanted. They already gave up anyway. their pick for this year anyway, though. So you're, you'd be getting yeah. a pick from the Rams like three years from now. So I can understand why they didn't take it. Yeah. That's going to the Lions, right? In that Matthew yeah. Stafford deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, quickly, I'm trying to see what the Panthers have done uh, defensively. But I'll try to pull that up before we end the show. All right. Before. We move on to the next game on the schedule. Let me tell you guys about a presenting sponsor. That's WinBet. And if you're ready to win money and boost your odds, WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with win rewards on WinBet. If you're looking to get involved in the same game parlay, WinBet is your home with their WinBet Build Your Own Bet, letting you customize the bet you want to make. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet 100 to win 100. And there's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet so they know that we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. Offer something to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 years older and present in a state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you're somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1 800 522 All right, Scott, let's get over to the next game of the schedule. It's going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers headed to the Bay Area to take on the Brock Purdy led San Francisco 49ers. It's another 425 Eastern start here for this game. And looking at the lines for this game, I'm currently seeing that the just went off of my screen uh let's see here san francisco opened up as a five and a half point home favorite that number has been bet down to minus three and a half currently over on win bet total opened up at 37 and a half uh that number has been uh pretty consistent at see a 38 over at win bet not much move yeah not much big 10 football love it let's go (laughs) not much movement on the total here scott uh looking at the injury report here Let's start here with the road team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, on their injury report, I am seeing. Let's see here. Antonio Winfield Jr. Safety is questionable. He's still not participating in practice with the team as of Thursday. Vita Vea, defensive tackle, also listed as questionable. Mike Edwards, safety, hamstring, didn't practice on Wednesday. Sean Murphy bunting also questionable. And we know Tristan, Tristan Wirfs, I'm sorry, is going to be out for this game on the uh, offensive line there for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Obviously the big news for the San Francisco 49ers, they did lose Jimmy Garoppolo um, thinking it was going to be season ending, but they did get the news that uh, it's a six to eight, uh, eight, six to eight weeks recovery period for, uh, sorry, for Jimmy G maybe maybe they get him back for the the divisional game or the conference championship game but that shall be determined as far as their official injury report uh guys that are questionable is probably their best players or maybe just getting some time off uh armstead we did see his return last week nick bosa debo samuel and christian mccaffrey all are listed questionable um for the san francisco 49ers but the big conversation here scott is brock party who came in last week in relief of Jimmy G and he looked pretty damn good for a third string quarterback out of Iowa put up 210 passing yards in that game but I think the bigger conversation was what some of his teammates came out and said after the game about how he's holding himself accountable how he went up to Brendan Ayuk and said hey I missed you on a couple passes but I'm gonna be better about that but what did you kind of see out of Brock Party last week in relief of Jimmy G who left with the injury I thought he looked solid I watched him at Iowa State I thought that he was pretty awful, if I'm being honest. I thought he was very bad in his senior year. 
And yet, I guess the perks of staying in college at the same place for several years is the fact that you have some maturity. And we saw that during the course of the game, he seemed very, the one word I'll use is professional about it. He didn't do anything stupid. He was really, really, I'd say, quick with his decision-making. He didn't try to make any hero plays. And as you said, his interaction with Ayuk showed maturity. I messed up. I'll fix it. Whatever. It's a work in progress. Let's do it. And I feel like if you're going to look for a short-term game manager, which is what he's going to be, let's be real. They're not going to let him throw the ball 30-something times in a game. Yeah, I do think you need to show some signs of maturity and some signs of overall experience, not just in the pros, but I just mean in general. The fact that he had four years of college, roughly, I think definitely helps in the situation. But when it comes down to it, we know that the Niners are going to really just rely on the ground game. Tampa's been Mm -hmm. good against the run lately, but they're going to give McCaffrey almost every touch imaginable. And we saw it as he had 80 receiving yards and he had 100-plus all-purpose yards, and he was very, very good last week. Uh, Ayuk and Sam – I know Samuel's been banged up the last couple weeks, but he had a couple of big plays there as well, Uh, some first down, you know, extending drives, et cetera. Kittle was pretty quiet last week. We'll see what happens. But I think he's good enough to not absolutely punt you the game which might be good enough because if we talked about last week, Miami missing both tackles, we thought the Niners' defensive front would absolutely just torture Tua, and they did. Tua was awful because he was pressured the entire game. Tampa can't block anybody either. Yeah. So I understand you could talk about Brady getting points and how they won a game in thrilling fashion on Monday night. They were awful. They were losing to Andy Dalton by 13 points with about five minutes to go in the game. And the only reason why they won is because Mark Ingram ran out of bounds. That was a very head-scratching play. It was one of the dumbest plays I've seen in a while because Ingram's been in the league for about 11 years. Like It's really an inexcusable play. Then you had the slant pass, which was another 40 seconds off the clock because of incompletion. It made no sense. But the point is, Tampa was awful the entire game until the final five minutes. If Tampa had lost, let's say holding penalty on Tampa, they move him back, and they don't score a touchdown. They lose the game. Yeah. Are the Niners laying like five? Uh, I mean, the five opened up three. at five. Like, I just don't know how many points the Niners would be laying if the Buccaneers ended up losing to the Saints. Yeah. I think it'd be more than three. At four and a half, I probably think. That's the point. So, yeah. and automatically, you can argue there's value on San Francisco because people are overreacting to a win on the score column, even though the Buccaneers deserve to lose that game entirely. Yeah. They lose that game 95% of the time. Yeah, I agree. Um, that's, yeah, I think this is a spot where the Buccaneers are overvalued. I'm going to lay the points here with the San Francisco 49ers. Um, and, and you mentioned it, look, this, yeah, and they're at home. So what are they saying? That the Niners are a point better? It's basically pick them. Usually, yeah. usually you blindly factor home field as three points so it's basically a yeah yeah on a neutral Um, i'm taking i'm taking san francisco yeah i am too um i think yeah we talked about brock party showed us a lot last week it's also Uh, a short week tampa played on monday night yeah and now you got to travel all the way to the west coast i think they got and you have uh, injuries in your secondary and i'm on the niners i think this line is really just too low i get the point is purdy against brady purdy's not this he's not that i get it Brady hasn't been great either. And it's not even his fault. The offensive line stinks, but yeah. you have Bosa, you have Armstead, you have a lot of options. We know San Francisco can force some turnovers. Once again, the Buccaneers had three points with roughly six minutes in regulation against the Saints at home. Now you're going West Coast on a short week. I got to take up, the Niners. Yeah, and you're going up against a team that we talked about over the past several weeks that doesn't give up very many points in the second half yeah, if at all. I think yeah. last week was the first week where they allowed, I believe it was seven points in that fourth quarter. Yeah, Hill got Miami loose offense. for a touchdown, I think, in the third quarter, but that was basically it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, again, this defense or this offensive line is going to have their hands full in this game against this pass rush with Nick Bosa, with Armstead. We saw, like you mentioned, we saw what they did against Tua last week. I'm not sure the same can be said vice versa. Like, I, I don't know how good Tampa's defensive line actually is. It's not what it is of what when they won that Super Bowl. Yeah, because right? Barrett's out for the year, and he was their best yeah. pass rusher. So I think San Francisco's offensive line could also dominate here. So I think that the Niners have an edge in both trenches. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so let's lay the points here with the San Francisco 49ers. 
total rightfully so sitting at 38 this might be like a I'm on the under 14 17 10 type of final i have 17 10 in my yeah. head I, I think this game's gonna be hideous i'm not saying because the niners are gonna win this game's gonna be good but i think yeah. they can run the ball i think they'll be able to dominate up front and once again if you don't play prevent against brady he will do nothing on basically every drive. Even the yeah. final two drives, you had a massive pass interference penalty. Besides mm-hmm. that, every pass was in the flats. We saw the yeah. same thing against the Rams in their comeback win. If the Niners just press the receivers and they get to Brady with a regular four-man rush, Brady's screwed in yeah. this game. Like I just think that the Niners should really dominate. I like the Niners. You can make an argument. It might be like the Carolina game earlier this year. And they could win like 17-3. It would not surprise mm-hmm. me if Tampa doesn't score a touchdown in this game. Yeah. Uh, player props for looking at in this game, Scott? Uh, oh, boy. Um, you got to look at CMC, right? Like I think you have to, but I don't know what to look exceptions. at. Potentially, but a lot of his production was front-loaded in the first half. Yeah, because I just feel like it'll be a lot of checks. It's 39 down. and a half. Like, I feel like that, that has to be an over. But you're looking yeah. at the receiving yards for Tampa, and it's like Mike Evans is 49 and a half. You're looking at Godwin at 58 and a half. So they really don't expect Tampa to do anything in this game. No. Um, Brady number for passing yards? It's at 253 and a half. I, I get the argument is San Francisco is good against the run, and you could make a serious case that garbage time could play a factor here. Mm-hmm. I really don't think Tampa is going to move the ball. 253 so and a half? Like that's a lot of yards. And a lot of Tampa, a lot of Brady's yards last week were in garbage time or yeah. in comeback time, I should say. What did he finish up with last week? Let me see. I think he finished in like the 270s, but they had a couple of really long drives at the end. Yeah, he had 281, but again, it was because, like you said, that he had to throw the football because they were down 13 points in that game. Uh, yeah, 246 against the Browns, 258 against the Seahawks, 280. And this has really been because he has to throw the football because they've been trailing in these games. So maybe pass attempts over? Maybe. I, I think I'm just leaning to the under uh, okay. in the full game. I don't think this is really a prop game for me. Yeah. Okay. If it's a total of 37, I, I I tend to like overs more than unders in player props. Yeah. And it's tough when you have a total of 37. Yeah. Maybe Brady interception if you think that he'll get pressure to make one bad throw. Uh, interception for Brady's plus 105. Like, oh, I'll take that. I mean, that's, I guess, intriguing. Purdy, I mean, it's roughly minus 110 apiece, minus 120 on the over. I don't know if I want that because I just think that they're going to run the ball a bunch and purposefully give Purdy the easiest throws imaginable. Yeah. I don't really have much here. I, I just think this game's going to be ugly, but I think the Niners win. All right, let's get over to the last game of the night. That's going to be the Sunday night football game between the Miami Dolphins in L.A. to take on the Chargers. Um, Looking at the opening line for this game, I am seeing... uh, Where did it go? This opened up as a pick um for this game that number has been bet up to minus three starting to see some minus three to halves out there as well for miami the road favorite here 51 and a half is the opening number on the total that number has also been bet up to 52 currently over on win bet uh let's take a look at the injury report here for both of these teams we'll start here with the road team uh the miami dolphins Saw last week that they were missing two of their starting offensive linemen uh, in that game. Uh, Trying to get the update here. Give me one second. Um, I don't see them on the injury report, so they're probably going to be back for this game. Uh, If they're not listed, well, Austin Jackson was put on the injured reserve, so he's going to be out. And then Armstead is also, sorry, questionable as of December 6th. Uh, so we'll wait for an update on those guys. But other than that, no, we did see Tua maybe injured or is injured with an ankle injury. He was limited in practice on Wednesday. Other than that, pretty clean injury report for the Miami Dolphins. And then for the home team, the Los Angeles Chargers. Let's see here. Dervin James, day-to-day going into week 14, according to head coach Brian Brandon Staley. Mike Williams was a limited participant at practice on Wednesday. No shock there. 
uh that is pretty much it here scott so last week dolphins obviously we just talked about it dropped the game against the san francisco 49ers 33 to 17 i did see a note that did stay on the west coast instead of traveling all the way back home makes sense. Which makes a lot of sense right because you're all going all the way back to south beach and don't want to all travel all the way back to the west coast um the los angeles chargers are also coming off of a loss they lost to the las vegas raiders 27 10 in a division game last week and now Miami Dolphins are still in a fight, obviously, for that AFC East division. Can't drop any more games here. What are you thinking about this game here, Scott? The Dolphins as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm going to take the Dolphins. Uh, Waddle, I know, is banged up, but he did come back into the game. I think he caught one pass and then was like, I can't I can't be out here. I'm done. But the fact that it's Sunday night means I'll have a little bit more time in terms of hours to be healthy. I think he's going to play. But it's mostly coaching. I just think McDaniels coaches circles around Staley, and I don't think it's close. I think McDaniels is a tremendous coach. And I was a big fan of the hire when they made it. I mm-hmm. thought that he was unique. I thought that he was very, very creative, which is something you don't exactly see much from play callers nowadays. But I like how he knows what Tua is and builds his offense around the strength of the strengths of his team instead yeah. of forcing his players into doing something they might not be good at because that's his system. Yeah, I just think Miami has done a very good job of creating a, an actual just overall offensive system that really plays to the strengths of their guys. And I don't think that the Chargers do that at all. I think the Chargers do the opposite, actually. I think they have a certain system, and they say, listen, this is what we're going to do. Meanwhile, you're looking over at the roster and you say maybe Eckler should blindly get the ball maybe 20-something times a game because he's your best player by far, and they don't do it. They don't give Eckler the ball nearly enough, even though you're yeah. missing a bunch of playmakers all the time. You've had so many injuries, and you look at Eckler and go give him the ball. Like, he's clearly your best option. I just think that McDaniels is a much better coach, and if you can make an argument that these teams are close based on injury news, first of all, I don't think they're close. I think Miami is the better team, but... Mm-hmm. I just think that McDaniels is going to have a good game plan in place against a pretty underwhelming Chargers defense. And I think Herbert's going to be running around throwing it to random guys like he usually is, and that usually results in a close loss. I see a one-possession game, competitive late, give me Miami by seven. I agree with you. Um, I think McDaniels, I don't know if you agree with everything I said there, but I think McDaniels is a really good head coach. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about it. Have you seen the video clips that have been circulating on social media? I think this was last week where he admitted he's got that a personality. he made a mistake. People like Yeah. Him. Yeah. And he's, he's, he seems like a player's coach and, you know, these players enjoy playing for him. And like you mentioned, you know, he came from the, you know, the San Francisco 49ers, you know, Kyle Shanahan tree, quote unquote, if you want to call it that. But you, I think you nailed it when you said that he's, he's tailoring this offense around the strengths of Tua and the playmakers that he has, right? Because this this team has speed with Jalen Waddle, with Tyreek Hill, that they've been able to utilize that all season long, and that's the success that they've had this season. Um, and again, yeah, it's a huge coaching mismatch in this game between McDaniel's and uh, Brian Staley. So I don't think Staley does anything well. I mean, you're looking at this has Brandon, to be his last season, right? You're looking at what Chargers. Brandon Staley does, and you can make an argument that maybe the owner and people are just sold on him, but I don't get it. He was known as being the ultra-aggressive coach, and that was kind of his shtick. He hasn't really done it as much this season, and when he has, he's done it at really stupid times, like he did against yeah. the Browns earlier this year, which worked out because the Browns missed the game-winning field goal attempt. He got lucky there, but I think it has to be his last year, but they're still injured. And I just think that after a loss to a good San Francisco team, which we both predicted, mm-hmm. I think that the Niners are just a bad matchup for the Dolphins. They're physical. They can dominate yeah. on the defensive line. They have a good secondary. And they want to run the ball. The Chargers want to do none of those things. Yeah. So I just think that the Dolphins are a bad matchup for for uh, Los Angeles because the Dolphins have an identity. I don't think the Chargers have an identity, do they? Besides Herbert, please bail us out in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and I mean, like you mentioned, like they've dealt with a lot of injuries over the past couple of years. With they haven't know, adapted to anything though. Yeah, and they, I mean, they they had some guys when Keenan Allen was out and Mike Williams out with Carter and Josh Palmer to kind of compensate for it, but it seems like like 
okay, are we a pass first team? Or are we a run first team? Like, what do we want to do? And that's been a lot of the talent is on this team. There's no mm-hmm. question. My point is the play calling is the same. And we've seen Miami, even against Houston or some other teams, they're not afraid to run the ball a lot if sure. you won't stop the run. They'll adjust on the fly. The Chargers seem every game to just give the ball to Herbert, ignore Eckler, and whichever receiver is healthy, they're going to chuck it downfield. They don't really, they don't waver from that actual mindset ever. And I yeah. think that's a serious problem. I think this is the, the this game is it for the um, for the Chargers. If they want to even have a chance of making the playoffs. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago before they played the Niners and before we played the, before they played the Chiefs. We said bet the Chargers to miss the playoffs if I haven't yeah. yeah, and I don't see an up. I do. It's at still at minus one eighty five to make to miss. Oh, to miss. Yeah. yeah, to make when we took them to miss. I think it was around like. Wasn't it it was plus closer money to time? yeah, it was, it was like plus one hundred five or even money at the time. I would still lay a minus one eighty five price on that. I think they're going to lose this game, and the rest of the schedule is. I mean, they played the Chiefs twice. They got that out of the way. I'm trying to yeah, think but, who else they have to play. Yeah, but you look at the other divisions, right? Baltimore and Cincinnati are eight and four. The AFC gonna, East is an absolute just crap. Yeah, game. and you might get three teams out of the AFC East. Well, you get the division R, obviously, and then you'll get the maybe the two. Miami's going to make the playoffs. It's a question of it, if the Jets are, you know, going to be able to win some games and and get into the playoffs. But Cincinnati and Baltimore both at eight and four. Um, let's just say the Chargers lose this game, the Raiders win this week. The both of those teams will be at six and seven. To go through the actual schedule for the Chargers, they play the Dolphins. Obviously, they play yeah. the Titans at home the week after. Okay. I mean, I know Henry's been bad lately, but you have one of the worst run defenses in the league. That's definitely yeah. not a guarantee. You're no. playing at the Colts. Colts aren't good, but it wouldn't shock me if Taylor had a good game against them. Yeah. And you play the Rams at home and you play the Broncos on the road. I mean, the schedule is easy the last three weeks, so they should be easy. Yeah. But, I mean, as you said before, like if they lose this game to Miami, they could miss while winning 10 games. Yeah. It's possible. They could go 10-7 and seven and still miss the playoffs. So yeah, look, yeah, that's not going to be a cakewalk going into Indy on Monday night. You know, and like you I hope that else. game gets flexed. I pray I that so. game gets flexed. But I, I'm just saying, I I think it's a tough spot to go to Indy anytime, no matter yeah. how bad they might be. Yeah, and then obviously, like you mentioned, welcoming Derrick Henry to town, and we know what he does against uh, bad defenses. But yeah, we're laying the minus three and a half here uh, with the Dolphins minus four, whatever the number may be. The updated number right now is over on WinBet. Minus three is what I'm seeing for the Dolphins in this game. Uh, total sitting at 52 in this game here, Scott. I think we might see some fireworks here in this game, but what do you think about the total? I got to be on the over. I don't like either defense. Miami's offense I still think is good. I just have to – people on Twitter thought that I was like a Tua hater because I roasted him earlier this year, mm-hmm. and I roasted him after the Niner game. My main argument simple. He's really, really good against bad defenses. Against good defenses, he's not typically that great. The Chargers' defense, not great. I think Tua's going to have a pretty good game here. And Miami's defense isn't very good. So I think both quarterbacks should have good games. I just think that Miami will be able to exploit this Chargers' defense more frequently because they actually have creativity with the decision-making. So I think that the game's going to go over. I just think Miami might score 30 points. Yeah, that was gonna say. I was like, one of my better or my favorite plays in this game is probably the team total over for the Dolphins. Uh, twenty-seven is what I'm currently seeing. Certainly, some twenty-seven and a halves as well. But I think, yeah, they'll be able to move this ball effectively against this Dolphins. Uh, sorry, against this Chargers defense, like we talked about. Um, I think Tyree Kill will have a big game in this game. He's familiar with this team, being in that AFC West division when he was with the Chiefs. Um, so yeah, I like the over. I like the Dolphins team total in this game here as well. Player props looking at in this game here, Scott. You mentioned Tyreek. I think I think Tyreek's going to walk into like 120 yeah. in this game. I, I really just don't know how he's not going to, especially with Waddle playing potentially, but clearly not being at 100%. Do you think there's a snap count there? Maybe. Yeah. So I mean, I, they, they still have um, – They still have Sherfield. Yeah, Sherfield. That was the name I was looking for, yeah. He had the 75-yarder to start the game. I don't think he yep. did anything after that. But, no. I mean, Tyreek's at 96 and a half. So you're kind of just expecting him to go for 100, which I think he will. Yeah. Uh, besides that, though, I don't really see much. Longest completion Mo- for Tua? Yeah, I'd, I'd look for the over there. You have a lot of options. For the ground game, I got to assume Mostert will get most of the touches. Mm-hmm. I see him at 47 and a half. Okay. Sure, I'll take that over. 
I think that's definitely worth some value, but it's mostly just going to be involving Miami's offense, just having creative ways to exploit this defense. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, anything else for this game before we get into our lock and dog? Probably pass attempts for Herbert. Miami's actually good against the run. Yeah. And I think if they're going to be playing from behind as well. Um, yeah. See what Justin Herbert has kind of done over the past couple of weeks or throwing the football because God, God forbid the Chargers actually try to run the football with or get Austin Eckler involved in the run game. Um, 47 over I, the last two weeks each. But they I'm were trailing in those games. listed for Herbert right now, but whenever okay. it is posted, oh. I think he's going to attempt at least 40 passes. It's funny that they list the longest completions, but they don't list uh, pass attempts or pass mm-hmm. completions. Uh, Tua is at 35 and a half, but they don't have one for Justin Herbert yet. If all I right. had to guess, I'll say like 37 and a half, 38 and a half. Yeah. Uh, all right, Scott, let's get into our lock and dog here for the afternoon games here in NFL Week 14. I'll let you lead it off, man. What's your lock and dog? All right. Uh, so for my lock, oh boy, I, I have two choices really from the same game. The question is, which one do I want to take? You know what? I'm just going to take the under. Give me the under 38, as you said before, in that Niners and Buccaneers game. I thought about taking a team total under with Tampa. I thought about taking the Niners. I think the Niners will win the game. But I really just see a slugfest here. Tampa defensively is still good. I still Mm -hmm. think Tampa is going to be able to force punts and to force some long drives. I also think San Francisco is going to be very conservative and careful with the play calling. But I don't think Tampa is going to move the ball in this game. So I like the under. There are a couple ways to get there. Kind of like that Monday night game against the Saints and why I like the under. Mm-hmm. Either one team does nothing offensively, you have two shots at that, or both teams stink and you have a massive, just really hideous game here. Both could ha- Either could happen, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. We said this game could end like 17-10. Like, yeah. I don't think they're going to get to 30. I'm going with the under. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Uh, what do you got for your dog? For my dog, I'm going to take Carolina. I feel like we're going to both take Carolina here, yeah. but I really like the plus 170, give or take. I think it's a good spot. And the fact that the line has dropped two and a half points, the fact that these Seahawks might be using basically a practice squad running back as their starter this week is definitely concerning. Their defense isn't good. Carolina's off a bye, and they have a good pass rush. I yep. think it's actually a good matchup for Carolina. Yep, I'm right there with you. That was going to be my dog play of the week. I think everything else – we think that the favorite should win the game between the Niners, the Dolphins, and the uh, Chiefs. So, yeah, Carolina Panthers plus 170 for me as well as my dog. For my lock, uh, it's got to be the Niners, man. I'm, I, God, we, I think we could double dip in the same game. I also do like the Dolphins. You know what? I'll give out Dolphins team total over 27 and a half as my lock. Let's change it up a little bit. I just think. The speed, we talked about how bad this this Chargers defense is both on the ground and through the air. I think that this is going to be one of those games where we see Tua throw for 300-plus yards and Tyreek Hill gets loose against this Chargers defense, the pass defense, and we've seen him do that when he was with the Kansas City Chiefs in that division for so many years. Um, I think this is going to be an opportunity where they want to flex their muscles a little bit after getting limited after that opening touchdown against the San Francisco 49ers. Um, weather is not a concern. You're indoors. I have fast receivers. Hopefully Waddle's able to be more effective than he was last week against the 49ers. So Dolphins team total over 27 and a half as my lock. And then, uh, both Scott and I are on the Carolina Panthers plus four and a half and then plus 170 as our dog for this, uh, NFL week 14 afternoon game schedule. Uh, Scott, that's going to do it, my man. Anything else we forgot to mention for these games or anything else you want to get off your chest? No, I'm just a little bit upset that we couldn't exactly cover the Cowboys-Texans game because they really want to talk about a game with a spread of 18. But yes. unfortunately, that's a 1 o'clock game. So that's against the rules. Yeah. Um, 18, yeah. That number's all the way up to That's 18. so fun. Hey, Davis Mills back at the starting quarterback rooms, my man. That's actually a big deal because Allen was one of the worst starting quarterbacks I've seen in a while. He's been bad. It was really he bad. Was over the yeah. I don't know. I don't even know how he's in on a roster right now, but – can they write him into the xfl draft is it too late for that or no it's never too late okay we can make a phone call to the rock and see if you can get him in there that works all right yeah all right that's gonna do it for this edition of the nfl gambling podcast uh we'll be back tomorrow for the player props for the prop cast uh look out for our nfl week 14 player props uh with myself and rod 
and uh again back next week recapping with rod and uh ryan so again nfl gambling podcast in full force if you haven't already make sure to follow us on twitter at sgp and nfl we put up our weekly power rankings and our picks every single week between the that we have on the NFL Gambling Pod. But uh, yeah, definitely look out for that. Make sure to follow Scott on Twitter at Shell Radio. Follow me on Twitter at SportsCard824. We'll be back next week as usual. Until then, good luck with your picks. Let's break these books off and let it ride.